Jeff, didn't we kick you off last week? Aren't you? <laughs> didn't we kick you off the podcast? You may have. Why are you even here? Jeff, you know what uh, Anita and I did yesterday? What? So you're you're a martial arts enthusiast, right? You 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 teach the karate, and you also dabble in other forms of um, physical punchings and kickings. Yes, I do. Okay. Um, so as you know, Anita and I have been attending a uh, mixed martial arts gym for about almost a year now. We started in April, last April, and. You know, we, we, we mostly do the kickboxing classes and the cardio. Uh, we've never actually sparred with anyone because we are, like, terrified <laughs> of, you know, despite the fact, well, despite the fact that you, you clearly put on, like, leg guards and they're giant gloves you're wearing on purpose, like the 16-ounce ones, and you, you wear a, a mouth guard and a thing around your head, you still get punched, and I'm not really, like, sure I'm okay with that yet. So... <laughs> Um, and, and, and Anita, Anita is definitely not, and I'm not either, but what our gym does is they put on and tell me, is this a term everywhere? Are you familiar with this term? A smoker fight? Smoker fight? Oh, exhibition fight. Basically. It's another word for an exhibition fight. Exhibition. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And that's exactly what they are. So they put them on yesterday and they had them after the kickboxing class and they you know it's free to attend so anita and i went to watch a lot of the students and other stuff actually have fights and this is the first time that anita and i have actually been there to watch actual martial arts fights by people so there was a couple of people doing kickboxing uh it was really intense stuff oh yeah uh, we saw we, we saw some of their kids students um and then they had two professional boxers, one of which trains there. I think the other guy does too. And they're like these – they're both over like six foot, like six foot three, six foot four. And they're almost like – one's 300 pounds. The other one's just a little under 300 pounds. They're these titans and they're just kind of like bashing at each other. And it was crazy. <laughs> um, and and so uh, it was it was pretty impressive stuff. But I got I to gotta talk about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which they teach there. Uh, they do it off to the side of where we do our cardio every time we go for kickboxing. Hmm. And it's all these people wearing geese, like clutching each other on the ground for what seems like hours on end. So while watching this, we watched two like kids. I'm, I'm thinking like maybe like between 10 and 12. All they did was tackle each other and then grapple for a while in a various kind of like Greco-Roman sort of thing. And I'm wondering, is that all that is? Uh, Did Eddie Gordo lie to me? (laughs) With uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, we personally deal more in grappling. I'm not 100% sure of it, but I believe they're just about the same. They're the same route. Uh, Basically, it's uh, taking each other down, getting into control positions, and trying to tap each other out. It's actually really physically taxing because you... Not only do you have to move around, but also you have to move your opponent around. So, <laughs> oh, that makes sense. That that does seem like it's crazy. Yeah, I'm not sure watching it is super exciting though. For the uninitiated, it may look like you're just wrestling, moving around, but there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Like uh, you have to be aware of uh, where your arms are, where your legs are, uh, so then you don't accidentally get armbarred or choked out. They probably with the little kids they probably don't go to the tap tapping out yet they probably just go to a dominant position and then uh they reset okay yeah that's that's what it seemed um i can't remember if one kid did tap out but uh it was it was interesting to watch because i knew nothing about it and and they, and they had been trying to they, they talked to you about everything when you go there they're like you should try out brazilian jiu-jitsu you should see if you like this and they talked to anita about it because they have some women doing it but, like, I don't know if I can handle, like, an hour lesson of some guy sitting on top of me while I sweat profusely. <laughs> and I already sweat profusely. It's terrible. It's like, you know, the kickboxing's are I'm already so attractive by the end of it. 
So, and the best part about it is they, they started taking pictures of the entire kickboxing classes after some lessons and they post them on Facebook, you know, afterwards when everyone looks fantastic. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. So I, I don't know. I don't know if I would look better in a gi while I was sweating, but, uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting thing. I'd say you could probably handle it, but it tends to be a bigger man's game. Not that I'm calling you fat or anything, but I'm calling you fat. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Jeff, I'm I'm not offended because I'm fat. <laughs> it is it is difficult for me to do things that much thinner much thinner people can do, and um, and while my flexibility has increased, <laughs> uh, I still I still can't do push ups not on my knees. So um, like I can for a couple, but then I'm like, oh man, I'm so fat. And <laughs> no, it's fine. It's it's something to uh, try when you feel when you're feeling better, uh, when you're feeling more physically fit, because it, yeah. it is physically taxing. I might can I might consider it. I have thought about going and taking their boxing classes, though, um, because my kicks have are are not terrible, but they're not very high, and they're and I'm not that flexible. So I'm thinking maybe more of a punch focus thing. But also getting punched in the face that's a problem. So I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's scary as hell. Not gonna lie, I'm every time I spar, I'm just like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting because I'm watching it. I'm thinking. I could do this maybe at some point. Like I kind of want to. It seemed it seemed interesting. I don't know why because I'm not really a a violent individual and I I don't take pleasure in hitting people. But it just seemed kind of uh, I don't know. This there, there was something attractive about it. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it teaches you how to the basics of fighting because sparring it's one on one. While it teaches you to be aware of your surroundings to how to strike out correctly, block and whatnot. But also it it just builds up that foundation. So then if you have to defend yourself, God forbid, then you know what uh, kind of the basics of what to do and what not to do. Oh, here's a good question for you. Martial arts is a very, it's a mental game as much as it is a physical game. Oh yeah. It, there's a lot of, you know, you got to figure out, you got to look for openings, you got to, be ready to block. You got to know how to counter. You got to know the right combos, all this stuff that I pretend to know about, but I don't. <laughs> so I, I, one of the things I would have problems with when I'm up there uh, in my mind is I wouldn't know what to do when, cause you got to think fast on your feet. And last week we talked about real time strategy board games. We talked about fuse and you guys playing and me under the table crying. <laughs> all your years of martial arts helped you strategize faster in any way do you think i is there any overlap between between your training there and the games we play i think it does because with uh the sparring it's kind of a trial under fire where if you don't react quickly if you don't take things uh kind of in stride and calm down you're gonna panic you're going to wipe yourself out before uh the end of the battle even it teaches you to not panic as badly as you may think so. With sparring, it's more of like you're working with each other rather than trying to take each other's heads off. Like the smoker fights there, they're exhibition fights, but they, they've they been doing it for a while, so they're working with, e with each other. But the pros, they've been working for God knows how long, and they like to just go at it a little bit harder. It helps with uh, getting those uh, emergency situations and be like, okay, 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 calm down. We can handle this. Just do, take this in stride. Okay, we need to do this move. Okay, now let's go take care of this. Da -da 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 and yeah, it just really teaches you to kind of uh, be calmer under those stressful situations. You gave me chills. How many spines have you ripped from bodies? Let's see. Ballpark. One, two, three, four, five billion. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is currently looking at his wall right now where they all hang there gloriously like a like on the Predator ship. <laughs> uh, <laughs> By the way, uh, hi, everyone. Uh, this is Geek and Spiel podcast where we talk about so far gaming, 
board games, video games, movies, and today we talked a little bit about martial arts. I'm Jacob. I'm Jeff. Thank you all for joining us this week. Uh, Jeff, so you you have a lot of animes you want to talk about today. Yes, I do have a couple of anime that I wish to speak about. An anime that I recently finished uh, watching was Puella Magi Madoka Magica. I apologize if I totally butchered that name, but that's how I pronounce it. Or as uh, fans know it as uh, Madoka Magica short. We'll put the spelling of it in the show notes as well. So... Madoka Magica is a magical girl anime, like Sailor Moon and a bunch of those other ones that I'm not going to be saying because some of the names are uh, weird. Wait, 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 weirder than Puella Magi Madoka Magica? I think there's one called Pretty Cure, uh, just like Cutie Honey. Uh, that was a more adult one. These don't translate well. No, they don't. Magic Girls is a is a big genre there, right? Oh yeah, it's a huge genre. There's, I would be lying to if I said that I knew all of them, but there's a lot of magical girl anime out there. Madoka Magica, in uh, the scope of things, is actually a very interesting one. It has gotten uh, critical acclaim in Japan, and it's actually a really good one. It takes the uh, Magical Girl formula and kind of uh, twists it, kind of like uh, old uh, fairy tales. You know how, like, Disney made them much more children-friendly? Yeah. It's kind of in the vein of, uh, like, the original source uh, fairy tales, like how uh, in Snow White, they actually had the uh, queen dance herself to death in burning hot shoes. Yes. Yeah, kind of. So I'm not going into spoil. I'm not going to go into spoilers with this. It's an older anime, but I'm sure that people have watched it before. But in case you do want to watch it, I am not going to say a word because it is. It's really good. It, it is really, really good. How new is this? When did this come out? Wow, uh, about seven years ago. Okay, so it's 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 not fresh new, but it's not that old either. Yeah, so just in case, I don't want to go into spoilers. Oh, it follows a girl named Madoka, if you can figure that out from the name of the anime. It really took the magical girl formula and kind of flipped it on its head, twisted it. I'm not sure if you'd like it, Jacob, but it's definitely something worth uh, taking a look at. Because by the first two episodes, they're like, okay, this is going to be a, a normal run-of-the-mill one. And then just by the uh, third episode, they crank it up to 11, and it's like, oh, oh. On Wikipedia, the genre says magical girl, comma, psychological thriller. Yes. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> that doesn't seem normal. That's 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 interesting. No, it it is awesome. I love it, but yeah, it really gets into the nitty gritty of uh, uh, things, and some of the stuff is really screwed up. Not gonna lie. Is this the only magical girl anime on your list today? Uh, yes, because the other one it's different from that. It's the reason I asked is last night Anita and I just finished catching up to the rest of. The current season five of Steven Universe, which is a huge, it's a huge favorite between Anita and I. We love this show very much. And Steven Universe is an American cartoon show that that takes aspects of the magical girl formula from Japanese anime and slightly turns it on, on its head by making the main character a man or a, man, a boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's essentially the same thing, supposedly. And the artists and and creators and story writers are huge anime fans, and they put references all over the place. And I don't know what they are, but I can tell when they're doing it. <laughs> and I get so frustrated. I'm like, I know this is from something, but what is it? I don't know. <laughs> now you watched you watched like one episode of that with us, and um, and we forced you to watch it, and I don't know if you've watched it since then, but... Uh, no, I haven't. As an anime fan, I, I, I would recommend it, but that's just me. Um, I recommend it to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> watch it. Watch it now. Hey, Jeff, are you doing anything? Yes, too bad. Sit down. <laughs> don't worry about the tape. It, it won't bother your eyes. Your eyes will be open the whole time. <laughs> <sighs>
<laughs> Clockwork Orange style. <laughs> I'd like to watch more of it, but unfortunately I have like 20 other series that I am watching. So, yeah. It's a, it's the curse of, of the golden age of television. New golden age of streaming television. Yeah, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, let's see. Uh, House of Cards, despite the fact that What's-His-Face is a you know, a jackass. Yeah. Uh, that's the nicest word I can say on this podcast. Orange is the New Black. Seasons four through the rest of Game of Thrones. Everything past the first episode of Westworld. I'm just naming shows that are like critically acclaimed and amazing and have like, you know, shaped popular culture that I have not seen yet. (laughs) Like television is so hard to keep up with if you're not like a dedicated TV watcher. And and Anita is, but uh, she doesn't always sit down and watch the stuff. I, I think we're still making our way through season three of The Flash on Netflix uh, we haven't even started Green Arrow. I don't really want to start Green Arrow. I don't really like his character, but I enjoy The Flash a lot. And that's not even that great of a show. It's like good and entertaining, but it's essentially a WB romantic drama with superheroes in it. Yeah. So Green Arrow was a good one, actually. Uh, I haven't caught up with it, but I'd say it's more realistic with the fighting than, say, uh, uh, Flash or like, Batman or things like that. I'm sorry. Are you saying a, a man running at supersonic speed, throwing lightning bolts that originate from his speed is not realistic? Are you saying giant talking gorillas are not realistic? Because if so, we're going to have fighting words, sir. Bring it on. I'm sorry. I was trying to crack my knuckles <laughs> into the uh, microphone. Last week, I talked very briefly about – and I don't think it was briefly at all. I think I opened up the show mm-hmm. with it. Uh, my trip to Asheville with Anita during – Martin Luther King Jr. weekend and uh, the horrors that that entailed there, you know, the the hotel scariness and the uh, place that was very rude. And uh, I left a Google review for, you know, podcast worthy discussions. Uh, So (laughs) (laughs) now because of time, I didn't get to we didn't get to talk about the stuff I really wanted to talk about with Asheville. Now, Asheville, North Carolina is located in the mountains, the Blue Ridge Mountains, uh, to the west of North Carolina. It is three hours from Augusta. It is a very easy drive. We have been going there for, I think, this has to be the third year we've been in a row during that weekend because it's a three-day weekend. We can get away. Uh, Asheville, I think, is a nicer place probably in the spring and fall because uh, there's a lot of outdoor stuff. And every time we go, it is too freezing to do anything. Uh The reason I bring it up is Asheville is a very progressive city, especially for North Carolina and the South. They are, I don't know, I guess, I guess artsy. They have a lot, they have a very big artsy art scene to them. So there's a lot of cool things there. So last year when we went, the day before we left, we were walking down the Wall Street area, this nice little area in downtown, and they were building. North Carolina's first board game cafe. Dude. Yeah. Um, Anita was super embarrassed because I literally ran in while they were making construction and demanded to see who was the who, the owner so I could talk to him giddily about it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was it – was, I, I was just so floored by it. It was, it was cool to see. They were just in construction, so I knew by the time we came back at any, at any point it would still be there. Hmm. Now, I'm used to things here in Augusta. Augusta, Georgia is a smaller city. It's actually not that much bigger than than Asheville, but Augusta is not as well off financially. It's harder to get businesses going here, I think. I've been here for five years, and I've just seen places open and close within the, within the same year, places that do well or you think should do well. They opened a Whole Foods here and it closed. I mean, uh, people were when it op- when it opened, it, people were going nuts about it. They were so happy. We're finally getting a Chipotle, and I <laughs> I'm afraid it's not. I, I hope it's going to last. That's all I have to say. I just hope it stays. <sighs> but uh, so I was a little scared because I'm like, how well is this place going to do? Even in Asheville, like how well do board game cafes do in general? So so we went there. I went there a total of three times. 
only once was it to play games. The first time I went there at that evening to walk inside late at night, it was the only place open. And I just kind of looked in and the place was full. It was late at night and there were a ton of people playing games. Mm. I got two bottles of water. I left. I was only, only there for five minutes. The next day we went there to actually like go. We went there after dinner. We couldn't get a seat. The wait was so long. The place was just packed. So we finally went during the afternoon the next day, got some, you know, coffee and tea and finally got a seat for the two of us. And I think it was one of the last few tables open. Oh, uh, it was. Yeah, the place is is it's booming. And you, you go inside the front and it looks like a first of all, did I even say the name of it yet? I don't think so. No, it's called Well Played. The outside has like a little seating area for if you want to sit outside, there's maybe one or two or three like benches or tables there. And there's a giant Connect Four set and a giant um, other thing. I think it's a Jenga set. I don't know. But no one's outside. It's too cold. You go inside. It looks like an like an old fashioned ice cream parlor. Dude. And they have table set up um, along the side of the wall. And this is really cool. Above that, they have all these like I guess they're like rare board games or old board games. Uh, one of the cool things up there, and I noticed this immediately, was they had um, a copy of the game. It's called Illimat. Now, Illimat is a kind of card game, sort of semi-abstract. I haven't played it, had a chance to kickstart it, but did not because it just didn't seem like the kind of game I would really be into, despite the fact that it was created by uh, the band members of one of my favorite bands, the Decemberists. The Decemberists are a group from the West Coast. I think they're from Washington or Oregon. I, I don't remember right now. But they it looks like they have uh, at some point signed a copy of the board, and it's up there on the wall. And I kind of flipped out a little bit, and, and I tried really hard not to be embarrassing. Uh, so, <laughs> because cause I'm flipping out here because this is really cool. The next section of the store is their wall of games. They got like 500 games. It's, it's, every, it's almost everything. They had a copy of... Scythe, they had a copy of Mansions of Madness. They had every Catan and Ticket to Ride you could imagine. They had uh, like newer games. Uh, the Photosynthesis was there. Mm. Uh, the, the Sherlock Consulting Detective was there. Although that's not super new, but they had it prominently displayed. And you walk into the back where most of the seating is. And there's just every type of person you can imagine. This is not your typical you know, local game store where it's a bunch of people like me who are like nerding out about stuff. These are, there are families, there are couples, there are older people, there are younger people, and they're playing everything, not just like where we're seeing Hungry Hungry Hippos, Monopoly, Connect Four, all the classic stuff mixed in with people playing lots of party games, you know, Secret Hitler, Werewolf, Avalon. People next to us were playing Photosynthesis at some point and and stuff like that so holy crap it was it was really cool yeah it was it was really cool so when we were there because because i want to just check it out so we wanted to play things that were familiar hmm. we played it a uh, small world two on two it's the first time Nina and i ever played it two on two before and i'm surprised she brought it up she wanted to play Ooh. it i didn't think she i didn't i didn't realize i didn't realize she liked it and then we played we never played this before uh ticket to ride nordic countries nordic countries uh Never played that map. So Ticket to Ride is, and, and and I realize in a lot of our podcasts, we don't really explain a lot of the games, just talk about them like you already know them, and we shouldn't do that. Ticket to Ride is a, at this point, it's a modern day classic. It is a game where you collect sets of colors and play them so you can put little trains down on a map to collect routes. You get points for these, and whoever has the most points at the end wins the game, but you also try to connect two locations on the map, and if you do that, you get bonus points, which are hidden, so you actually don't know the score of the game until it's over. It is super easy to play. It's super fun. Uh, there's a great app if you want to just play it on your phone. The app is fantastic, but playing in person is a lot of fun, too. The original Ticket to Ride by Alan R. Moon is a map of America, but there are tons of new maps. There's a great one for India. They did one for, I think, specifically Switzerland. There's one for... I think they just did like the entire continent of Africa, uh, which is kind of insane. You think about it because it's huge. So I, I don't know how they pulled <laughs> that off. Uh, Asia has one. It's uh, but there's uh, they, they did one specifically for the Nordic countries, which looks like the area around uh, that peninsula up there. The 
you know, Norway, Sweden, Denmark sort of thing. The thing about this map is it is it only plays up to three players. So it was good for our one on one, our like just the two of us. It was so hard. And do you want to know why? Why? Jeff, have you ever played a ticket to ride in a country that's not the American map? Uh once on the app. Yeah, was it like Europe or something? Yeah, I think it was Europe. They use the English spelling of the actual names of the locations. So it's not Copenhagen. It's like Copenhagen, something like that. Oh. I didn't know a single location here. <laughs> and I'm looking at this map upside down. It's facing Anita. I'm trying to read these location tickets, and I've got to connect these two locations that like look like they're spelled the same but have a lot of letters that probably shouldn't be there and <laughs> i can't read the map i'm like standing over her shoulder so i can like look at the map i'm like i have no idea where these places are i uh, the only the only place i recognized was oslo and that was the only thing that had like four letters in it everything else was like eight letters long like or 12 letters long i couldn't find anything but the game was a lot of fun uh but <laughs> But it's a it's a great geography lesson, by the way, and it's not even that great because the locations don't match up that much. But like, I could not read these places. No muffin. <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> well played was really awesome. It was super busy. They had food and drinks there. They had ice creams and 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 cookies and really nice teas and hot cocos. And I, we didn't get to try the food. We just got like some drinks. Uh, if anyone in the North Carolina area or the South ever visits. I highly recommend it. I think there's still North Carolina's only board game cafe. I'd like to see more of these things out there. I, I try to visit them whenever I go somewhere that has them. Well played is well worth your time. I highly recommend it. What do you say it was? Well done. I'm going to punch you in the face. I, <laughs> I just, yes, I would say it is well done. Thumbs up. Freeze frame. Okay. Another anime that I actually uh, finish, well, currently caught up watching, is the anime uh, Black Clover, which is another fantasy-style anime, but doesn't deal with magical girls. It deals with basically this medieval kingdom where everyone has uh, magical powers, and uh, the primary source of their power is through uh, their spell books, their grimoires. The uh, main character is... Uh, super annoying. <laughs> I, I saw the trailers for this on, on Adult Swim. It looks super obnoxious. Oh, he is so obnoxious. He's. Have you watched any episodes of Naruto? No, but we talked about this because I asked, like, isn't the theme of this the same as a lot of those shonen style animes where... Yeah. Yeah. How is it different? Basically, it's the theme uh, that's different. A lot of it is that basically this kid who's super annoying, he has no magical powers in a place that that almost everybody has magical powers. So in the first episode, he gets uh, a grimoire, actually, and it's a giant-ass sword, because anime. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That that negates magic. So uh, his goal is to become the king of the country, who is uh, basically the most powerful magic user in the land. I like the story of it. It's interesting where it's going, but I would find it awesome if it wasn't for the character for the main character. All he does is yell and. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bit of a masochist when it comes to that. So you're you're still watching it despite the fact you can't handle the main protagonist. Yeah, he's he's annoying, but for some reason it's kind of in an endearing way. I think he started to actually grow on me. I don't know. There's another anime that uh, that I tried watching, but I actually couldn't get through. That's uh, like critically acclaimed, like, oh, you have to watch this, blah, 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 blah. It's an anime called uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. The main character is, he just rubs me the wrong way and not an endearing way. I couldn't get past him. I couldn't finish it. 
even though it's like it's like one of those uh classic like uh uh staple animes to watch i've I've even heard of that one that's a classic isn't it yeah it is a classic but just the uh no it's uh (laughs) i don't that'd be a great topic i think we should all think about things we watched where we liked the 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 show or game or something but couldn't handle the main character i'm sure we could all come up with uh some fantastic examples yes uh yes (laughs) but Overall, Black Clover is an interesting anime. It does absolutely nothing to change up the formula of the uh, shonen anime. The uh, kid is relatively weak, but he wants to be the greatest of all, blah, 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 blah. It's interesting to watch the uh, kind of the trials and uh, things that they have to go through. Yeah, that's better uh, than Black Clover. If they killed off the character the main character i wouldn't be sad <laughs> <laughs> to be honest i wouldn't be sad that's a great way to get you to endear to the person leading you through the story because <laughs> <laughs> he is the main focus of the uh show but there's another one There are basically two main characters uh the one that they really focus on was the non-magical guy but then they also had Another one uh, who was from the same orphanage who was like like super powerful and he's just like he's the rival character definitely but I like him slightly better. Is he Gary Oak? No, he's not as much of a dick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd say he's less abrasive, much less abrasive than the main character. He's slightly annoying in his in his own way, but. Not as much as the main character. <laughs> so you got two possibly annoying characters. Yeah, no. The uh super powerful one, his name is Yuna. Actually now I'm trying now I'm actually remembering things. He's almost too passive versus the main character, uh I can't even remember his freaking name. I don't care about him that much. <laughs> that he's l- loud, obnoxious, just uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so okay. So, so I gotta ask. I gotta ask you then. Are you actually recommending this show to people who might be interested? Um, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's if you want to watch another uh, Naruto style anime or One Piece style anime, this is a good thing. Just know that that the main character is pretty annoying. Before I go any further and start sobbing at my own masochism, let's move on to your next topic. Now, I, there's one other place I want to bring up here on the Asheville trip that I think it would be relevant. Uh, it's a place called the Pinball Museum, the Asheville Pinball Museum. For three years or for two years of go- us going to Asheville, we've seen this place and we never seem to get there when it's open. It's not open very late or all day long or on you know certain holidays and such. We finally, you know, managed to get there like in the middle of the day to check it out because we've wanted to see it. They have what they call a pinball museum there. It's not like a museum. And it's not like an arcade. It's kind of a mix of the two of them. It's kind of neat. You go in, you pay $15 straight up, and they have a ton of pinball machines. And they span just I probably since they were first created, they have an example of one of the machines they used kind of like almost a Plinko style thing before pinball actually was a became what it is. If you go down the middle row of when you walk in and I I have to, I have to make this clear when I think of museums, I think of like larger, well-lit kind of things. This place is low ceilinged dark with lots of colorful lights everywhere because of the, the pinball machines with sounds going off everywhere. It's it's more like an arcade than it is a museum. But you walk down the center row and they all have these very old pinball machines. We're talking like from when they were created. Like I want to say the 30s and the 40s. Wow. And the 50s and 60s and 70s. And they have signs above them. They say what they're called, the company that made them, what year it, they came out. And then they'll say how many of them were made as well as some trivia facts about them if there is one. There's one that's, I think, the only green painted pinball machine from that era. 
that was dinosaur themed. And then they have a bunch of different things that, that explain the history of pinball and how in New York, um, uh, I, I, who was a governor, mayor LaGuardia. I don't remember the guy they named the airport after. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so you, so you can tell he's awful cause that place mm-hmm. sucks. Uh, he banned pinball machines and then the story of how they were able to get them, you know, unbanned cause they thought they were used for gambling and, uh, and they had, and the whole fight over whether the, or not they were used for skill versus, uh, gambling and their connection with the mob in some way. It's crazy. Huh. And you go off to the side and like, then they have a lot more modern ones. I would say from the past 20 years, a lot of them are based off of, uh, you know, cause a lot of pinball machines are based off of properties. They have, they had one for Aerosmith. They had one for, uh, one of the Terminator movies. They had an Iron Man one. They had a, yeah, Spider-Man one, all these different ones, but they all had the facts above them. And, you know, why, why maybe they had that copy. Maybe it was a special edition. Then they have some like crazy old ones too. And uh, you couldn't play everything, but like, I guess some of them were just kind of like, you know, spe- special themed ones. And then they have off in the corner, one called the Hercules, which is the largest pinball machine ever built. And there's only so many copies and they have one. And it's you, you you couldn't play it, but it's huge. And yeah, they explained how you have to go under it like you're working on a car to fix up the stuff inside of it. And because the pieces were so rare to like replace, they didn't want it played very often. Oh, yeah, of course. So y- you pay the money and you can just go around and play the pinball games over and over as long as you want. And uh, then they had like two like virtual ones put up that were just a ton of like computer ones with modern themes on it that you could just play. So like hundreds of them in one machine. So that was really cool. And they have like a, a bar kind of a bar kind of thing in the back where you could order drinks and such too. Cause it's Asheville and every place has a beer. <laughs> uh, it's like a, it's a legal requirement that like, I, I think their daycares serve beer too. <laughs> Only the finest. Cause we went on a beer tour the other year and they told us there were over 300 breweries within and around Asheville alone. And I can't, I can't even fathom that Augusta has two and I'm always worried they're going to shut them down. So, (laughs) um, it's, it's crazy. So you go then into a back room, another room there, and they have an old arcade system set up. They have, uh, they had joust, they had Miss Pac-Man, they had, um, what is it? Tempest, which I'd never played. And I got to play that for the first time. They had Donkey Kong. And then they had like those little ones in the middle, like, uh, of the room that were like really small, but they were made much later, but they fit all these games into one little, like tiny joystick thing. And you play it on a small screen and everyone's back there playing that too. And they don't take any quarters. You just play them as much as you want. Cause you, you paid the entrance mm. fee and there's all these, you know, kids and families and older people there playing. Oh, that's awesome. And then you go into another back room and there's another room in the back. And this one has more modern uh, arcade games and also has get this. I don't know how they set this up. Three super NES set up on three different televisions, but one of them was playing Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't know how, uh, maybe an emulator or something. And then the other two were playing like, you know, Mario or Yoshi or some other game too. And you could switch out the game somehow and play them there, but they also had like the very first Virtua Fighter. Of, um, oh, they had the game. I never seen this before in person. The uh, what's the one that's kind of like a movie? It was uh, it's fantasy based. You kept dying. It's one of the hardest arcade oh, games of all time. Uh, I think Dom Bluth did the art for it. Dragon's Lair. Dragon's Lair. Yeah. It was a nineteen eighty three video game by Rick Dyer and Dom Bluth. Dom Bluth is the amazing you know artist who had done a lot of movies what was he i think he did he did the fifle movie i think he did uh anastasia he he did uh was he secrets of nim probably i don't know he's yeah. he's the he's the guy that that was not disney but should have been disney so <laughs> dragon's lair is one of the hardest games in the arcade and we could tell because Anita and I tried playing it two player and it's just impossible to understand (laughs) in any possible way. This place was amazing. And they just had like decorations and posters all over the, all over the wall. It had a star Wars game. You sat in an old arcade game that they had written down was considered the most popular arcade game of all time. And because of that, you had to pay extra money to play it. It was just super impressive. It was a lot of fun. We, we spent a lot of time in there just playing all these games and, and, and having a great time. And 
And I think the fact that they had all this information about the games and these trivia and uh, really kind of made it something different than just going into an arcade. Uh, it's just littered with memorabilia and stuff. Jeff, this is going to blow your mind. I don't I don't know how they do McDonald's uh, kids meals toys these days. But remember when we were kids and like they would have a Disney movie come out and they'd have like Disney movie toys. Yes. They had a display case just a- along the wall somewhere of all of I want to say the Jungle Book toys from I think McDonald's just displayed there like and it was like they actually used to display them in the McDonald's and I looked at those toys and I'm like I remember playing with those those things must be like impossible to find they must all be in dumps around the world or you know (laughs) but they had them and I'm like they this like the dedication to the kind of retro kind of collecting memorabilia there was impressive so thumbs up to that place it was really cool yeah that place sounds awesome it's it's neat, and um, you, sh- you should check it out. Go to Asheville, man. What are you doing? What are you doing there now? Go to Asheville. I'm buying a ticket right now. I'm gonna go right now. Oh God, Jeff's no, gone. No, I'm not. It's just me now. I'm the only one on the podcast. Oh God. You know what? Shut up and tell me about some more animes. Okay, so another uh, anime that's uh, currently ongoing that I've caught up to, except for the very newest episode, which I think released this week. Is called The Ancient Megasus Bride, which is, again, it's a modern fantasy versus a medieval fantasy or magical girl fantasy. Uh, it's about this uh, girl who is a uh, rare form of magical creature called a uh, Slay Bega. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I think that that's how they pronounce it in the anime. Basically, that's good enough for me. (laughs) They're super powerful, but the way that they burn through magic, they don't live long. So she's bought off of a slave auction by this ancient Magus who has a uh, like a bull or deer skull for a head. She's right away. She's given back her freedom and everything. It's just that he uh, takes her on as an apprentice. And uh, he's powerful. He's old. That's the name of the anime. Da, 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 da. But, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Jeff, are you giving are you giving a book report for a book you didn't read? Basically, yes. <laughs> uh, there's a Magus, and he is ancient, and he has a bride. And the end. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, he takes her on as an apprentice, and also. Uh, He's teaching her magic while she's teaching him kind of the interactions between humans because he uh, is kind of this fish out of water when it comes to actually understanding people. So first, right off the bat, he says, hey, will you be my bride? And it's just like from there, it's it's more of a family dynamic rather than a uh, he says kind of like the father and uh, she's more of the daughter. It's not like. It's good. Basically, it goes over kind of their adventures as he's trying to find a way to make sure that she stays alive. And uh, she starts to go and get into her own as a magic user. And it is a love story, but they haven't gotten into like uh, nitty gritty of uh, said things there. Overall, I just find it really an, an interesting uh, anime. They've introduced fake creatures. They've introduced other mages, sorcerers, a uh, whole lot of different stuff. Overall, I'm actually really liking it. It's a really good anime. What is the main conflict in here? Is it is it their relationship dynamic, or is there any type of like outside force like bothering them in some way? It's their relationship because uh, since he's not human, he's. Uh, He doesn't quite understand uh, human values and uh, human emotions, so he hides things from her. And she's she's basically been living her whole life like, okay, you took me in, so... She's like a sad puppy, I should say. Okay, you took me in, so I'll try not to bother you. I'm very happy with this. She's very detached emotionally, so... They both build on to each other, and they're growing as they uh, go into conflicts with other other sorcerers, other people. Like, uh, there's no real, uh, like, big, huge enemy. 
it's more of a kind of how they grow day to day and kind of that's the main conflict with it. So it so is it like a romance then? It's kind of a romance, a little bit of a with comedic elements and uh I it's weird. <laughs> it's just weird. I have a question for you. If anyone wanted to check this stuff out, if if people who wanted to see what this stuff was about wanted to watch this stuff, how would they do that? I've been using uh, the streaming service Crunchyroll on here. There are a bunch of uh, services. There's Netflix has a lot of anime. There's Crunchyroll, which is specifically anime uh, with, uh, I believe, some Japanese movies. And then there are things like Hulu, Amazon Instant Video. If you look, uh, you can definitely find something. Uh, these three specifically that I've talked about so far are on Crunchyroll. So I'm not 100% sure if they're on the other services, but I know that they are on uh, Crunchyroll. All right. I might actually look into it. I'm a little curious. So I'll I'll see, and then I'll come back and tell you why you were wrong. <laughs> to like I look it. forward to that. Just like how I shouldn't enjoy Batman versus Superman. I swear to God. One day, just you and me, podcast, talking about Batman v Superman and by the time it's over I want you crying in a few position <laughs> I just I can't even I can't even fathom I can't even yes. all right all right yes next moving topic. on next topic so Jeff I received an email the other day that they finally stopped the beta and released legendary DXP and you you texted me specifically asking if I played it yet yes I did have you played it yes I have I've played several games on it Legendary is a series of games released by Upper Deck Entertainment, the same company that makes all of those baseball cards that you collected when you were kids. Legendary is a deck building game. You have a set of cards in your hand and you use those to buy or draft other cards that are more powerful. So you have a deck that does a lot of things. In the Legendary series, it started off with Marvel characters. You are trying to, you know, draft these superheroes. And it was all the classics in the in, in the original release: Hulk, Iron Man, Spider Man, Captain America, Thor. Basically, everyone, almost everyone from the Avengers, even Black Widow and Nick Fury were there. All the popular X Men, or most of the popular X Men, Wolverine, Storm. A lot of ones were were still missing; they couldn't fit everyone in. Deadpool was in it too, and you're basically fighting these villains and trying to stop them from doing these plans which showed up as cards so it almost had a tower defense style to it every turn you'd flip over a villain and you flip over another villain on another turn and they would start marching their way across the board and if they escaped then you got hurt but if you were able to defeat them then you can keep them back until you grew your cards in your deck and were able to deal lots of damage and and win the game it was probably one of the first modern board games i ever played and Legendary means a lot to me. Jeff got it for me uh, right before, was it right after I moved to Georgia? Right before I got married? Yes, I think so. Yeah, there was a time when uh, when we moved to, when we first moved to Augusta, we were living in the house. We had none of our stuff yet. They hadn't delivered anything. Uh, so we were sitting there with like everything we were able to take in a car, uh, you know, a blow up mattress, some clothes, a, a TV, and this game. So we played it a bunch, Anita and I, because we really had nothing else to do, and I loved the game, and I fell in love with it. I've been collecting all the sets, which is a mistake, and we'll talk about that <laughs> at some point later on <laughs> because of the the ridiculousness that is. Now, Legendary's blown up. It was popular when it came out. It's still popular today, and they tried expanding to other properties. They seem to have a thing for 80s properties because they, they have, what is it, Aliens, Predator, Big Trouble, Little China. I think they're coming out with an X Files one, but that's not '80s. But still, like yeah, but yeah. Overall, they're like the uh, big sci-fi and uh, B-rated movies so far. Yeah, Firefly. They have a Firefly they one. They have. They also have a Buffy the Vampire Slayer one. <laughs> See, I forgot about that one already. <laughs> I there's so many. I haven't played any any of these other ones because I already have the Marvel one, and I've already invested a lot of time, effort, money into all the expansions and all the different things. And, and the other games play differently. So, you know, I w really wasn't interested. Uh, so the whole time I'm playing this game, to this day in my top 10, it's probably one of my favorite games. 
uh, it has a lot of nostalgic feelings for me, but it's also, there's a lot of flaws to the game. And one of the flaws is the setup time. It takes a while to set up if you don't have everything ready to go because you got a lot of cards you have to shuffle together. So every time I'm thinking to myself, man, why haven't they made a mobile app for this so you could play this on your phone or iPad or even on the computer? You know, uh, a lot of board games are doing that. And like if you can do a game like Star Realms, which is essentially legendary boiled down to its very essence into one of probably the best deck building slash two player slash game card games of all time. Why couldn't you do that, do that for legendary? Well, uh, Upper Deck did decide to finally do that about a year ago. And uh, Jeff, were you part of the beta testing on this? No, I wasn't. Uh, I signed up for it, but I never got anything there. You kind of signed up and hoped that you were able to, to grab a spot. Yeah, it was a lottery. I was able to get one, but the only iPad we had was an old one that would not run it properly. It crashed after 30 seconds every single time, and I could oh. not play it. So I had to sit and wait. So... I did download it yesterday. I played two rounds of it. You've been playing it a bunch. I want to hear your thoughts on it. I like it, actually. It was very counterintuitive at first because uh, in order to end the turn, you actually have to hold down the end turn button. I'm not used to that. I'm just used to clicking it and being like, okay, end turn. No, you have, it's you super have to hold weird. it down, which I feel is weird, but I can see it as a way of... Uh, having people not accidentally hit the uh, button while they were trying to do something else. I actually like it a lot. Unfortunately, they couldn't get the uh, the license to Marvel, so they had to uh, change it up drastically, the theme of it. It's completely reskinned. It's literally the base game. It's a fantasy-style uh, theme now. Literally, the cards are direct translations of the different heroes that were there. Like, uh, they have a little dragon, as the Mischief Maker is uh, a troublemaker. All of his cards are direct analogs of the Deadpool uh, faction of the of the Marvel Legendary. Overall, uh, I love it because I don't have to worry about setup time. <laughs> yeah. I like you, I love the game, but the setup time was the huge slog with that. That almost kept it off the table. Well, yeah, they, they replaced Hulk with this, like, giant stone guy. Um, Nick Fury is kind of like some kind of necromancer and and so on. And some of them, I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, who replaced what. Uh, I, I wasn't so hot on it. I think the game, it's not an intuitive user interface. It's, uh, you know me, I love me my medieval fantasy theme. And I really wasn't digging these character designs or characters i knew nothing about them and because they were there's no connection like with the marvel like if you gave me legendary and just slapped a different theme on it that i didn't really enjoy i don't know if i would enjoy it as much because having the marvel characters really mm -hmm. brought that game out for me i'm playing this and like it seems it's not the same as playing like star realms star realms app is amazing other board game apps that are amazing like ticket to ride these very super intuitive the things that almost improve the style of game and other than the fact that the setup is immediate i wasn't really feeling it like I, I felt like i was just i felt like i was wasting my time and i don't like feeling that when i'm playing games and i think the reason was well for one thing you can't select the heroes you want to use it just gives you the ones you get yeah. uh randomly now, I have a question. I didn't notice. Was there a pass-and-play option? Uh, I don't think there was. It's stuck behind a paywall. Yes, and that's the problem. This game is free, but all the good options and stuff are hiding behind paywalls. And and you can pay. There's like an in-game currency. There's silver and gold, and those will unlock essentially cosmetics. It will change your board to a different image. It will change the sleeves your cards use so they're different backs. It will give you... Um, animated rare cards that uh, you can implement in your game or change your user icon. And they're trying to turn it into a big, like, online game so people are playing with each other because it's, it's a cooperative game. It's another thing. Uh, but you can kind of win by getting the more, like, victory points. I, I don't like that. They're trying to monetize it, which is what you do with mobile games now. And that's mm -hmm. that's a big turnoff to me. 
like, no, I don't get legendary to the table as much as I used to because there is a lot of setup and we've played it so many times. But this didn't feel like the replacement I'd been hoping for. And I'm kind of disappointed. For me, I'm not as hooked up on the uh, the microtransactions that they have in it, except for the fact that you had to pay for the multiplayer because that's, that's just dumb. Not going to lie. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's not great. I'm not paying for it because I don't think I'm really into this yet. Like the uh, cosmetic items that you said, you really don't need those. You can literally just play the game and not no. and just <laughs> and just grind the uh, grind the silver to uh, get those special cosmetic items. Me, I'm perfectly fine with just the uh, just the base stuff, just like the regular stuff that starts off with. I've unlocked a couple of things, but I was just like, eh, I like it. I'm not going to change it now. So that's just me. No, that, and that makes sense. But here's the thing for me. This is basically taking up an economy here of 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 the iPad we have. This is Ania's iPad uh, that we use. And we mostly use it, you know, she uses it to, you know, casually to browse the internet and and take care of some stuff but she mostly uses it for when we're traveling and she has something she can watch tv shows on or for us to use just for like a internet thing like a larger phone kind of sort of thing uh so if we're sitting there and we we want to play a game or watch a movie while we're traveling is this what we're going to play Mm. you know what i mean is this what we're going to put our time into and marvel is what got her to liking marvel legendary if I came back with the Aliens one or the Predator one, she hasn't seen those movies. She's not mm-hmm. going to care. And even if she saw them, she's not going to love them the way that she loves the Marvel movies. She's going to take one look at these fantasy characters, even with their cartoony happiness, and she's going to go, that's not Captain America. And she's not going to want to play that, which means me paying for that is probably, even though it's, what, probably a couple bucks, it's probably not very much, but, like, it's the weirdest thing. Like, I'll I'll drop money on on crap. You know what I mean? I'll drop money on games and movies and other things that I enjoy, but there's something about apps and video games, like on your phone that are like, Oh, pay $1 to unlock all this stuff. And all of a sudden I'm like, nah, I don't think so. And I don't know why I'm like that, but I, I guess it's just, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I acknowledge how odd no, that no, is. No, it's perfectly sensible because a lot of games, they, uh, they almost make it necessary for them. Like some games, they have like, oh, you have a stamina system, so if you don't have any stamina, you, can, you can't go further. Oh, but you can buy this potion with real-world money to get to go on further, blah, 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 blah. Dude, no. You're, this is basically gambling for kids, and it's just like, ugh. No, that's... Exactly. It goes all the way back into all the issues with, with Star Wars Battlefront 2, and and microtransactions and yeah. loot boxes and and all those things that it's gambling yeah. for for yeah, children. It goes even further than that. It goes to the collectible baseball cards uh, and uh, like uh, Magic the Gathering, like packs. Those mm-hmm. we used to buy those. I'm well, at least I I did. I used to buy those. Oh no, it was a we. It was a we. We we yeah. you and I spent way too much money on packs of magic cards. Oh, God, yes. And we didn't even know how to play. We were just collecting them. No, we didn't know. We just looked at them like, these are so cool. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I remember you and I sitting in your in your kitchen growing up with these magic cards trying to figure out the rules from the fourth edition booklet that comes in the, the core set box oh, there. Yeah. And like... To tap a card, you have to turn it on its side. And to me, I thought that meant like the thin side. And I'm like, how do you stand a card up on its thin side? That's so weird because we were idiots. So, but yeah, like, and that's the thing. Magic players now, professional ones and people who play it competitively and really enjoy it, do not buy packs. They buy the card they want specifically. They let the stores and the other idiots open the packs and then get what they specifically need. Yeah. But then you have the secondary market, which uh, if a card is popular, that will inflate. The price will inflate so freaking much. So, mm-hmm. but then again, you're not spending all that money on packs hoping to open one of those. Exactly. So you could buy a booster box of what, like 
I don't even know how many are in a thing, like 36 cards, maybe more uh, packs of, uh, of that's a hundred bucks for like that many packs. And you could totally miss the card you're looking for. Oh yeah. But there is a secondary market. If you, if you buy a magic card and you open a pack, you might get some bomb rare and sell it for 50 bucks because you don't care about it. And someone else does. There's no secondary market for these video games. These are digital content exclusive to you only. I can't download this legendary DXP special icon and say, hey, Jeff, you want this and and give it to you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so so I, I, I'm curious to see where legendary DXP evolves from here and how well it does. I'm only going to be looking at it cursory a little bit. I'll try it here and there again, I think, because I want to give it another shot. But right now, my take on it is lukewarm, and I can tell you're a little more excited about it because it's easier to play, and I get that. I totally do, because it totally is. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, definitely not as excited as uh, when it was the Marvel theme, but I see the cards, and it's like, okay, this is the analog for this. This goes to this, so I cannot kind of uh, dissociate myself from uh, the theme a little better and just imagine, okay, I'm playing Thor now. Oh, I'm playing Hulk now. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think for today, I think we've hit our time, and I think this is uh, some pretty good discussions. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me on this uh, early morning uh, when you could be sleeping. No problem. Uh, Once again, thank you so much for listening, everyone. This is the Geek and Spiel podcast. Please send us your emails and questions and letters and topics and uh, and and devotions of love and also statements of hate we'll take it all except for the hate part keep that to yourself (laughs) once again i am jacob i'm jeff and you're listening to geekenspiel have a great week we'll see you next time bye Bye. 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 outro music